Hi, y'all, and happy Monday. This is such an exciting Monday because I am officially 50 days sober, which is like so wild that 50 days has already gone by. Um, but, you know, I'm taking it as everyone's told me one step at a time, one day at a time. And yeah, I'm, I'm just really proud of myself and really excited, you know, for the next 50 days and the next 100 days. And um, I've been feeling really good if that isn't like obvious by my upbeat tone and voice. Um, I've had a lot of energy and like I've been really productive with school. I've been really like my classes. I am like a little overwhelmed with everything, but I think it's been amazing just seeing like how much this break from alcohol has really affected my anxiety in a good way. Like I just, there were so many things that I thought were out of my control in terms of like feeling a certain way about things in the future and just like not being able to sleep. And I really do think that a lot of those, you know, that inability to sleep or that, um, you know, exhaustion all day, like very much was due to just how much I was drinking, which is what this whole season of Sauce in the City has really been about, like unpacking that and uh, learning from others. And I really couldn't be more excited to share this week's episode with y'all. I can't believe Carl Radke agreed to come on Solace in the City. I've been watching Summer House since before I started this podcast. And I always like really liked and, and admired Carl. I thought he had a really good head on his shoulders. And then when he um, lost his brother, that episode was extremely powerful. So we talk about, you know, how the death of someone um, and what were they being related to substance use like affected him. And especially because it was you know, watched by all of America um, and just being in the public eye during such a tragedy and then really having the entire world watch your sobriety journey. So we talk all about that. And um, I had some burning questions about just like the link of Bravo and drinking culture, because I know for me, when I watch The Real Housewives, I'm like, if they weren't drinking, there's just like no way that like Luann would have done that, you know? Um, so it's interesting to hear his perspective. And uh, also it's really cool that all this was happening and Summer House just came out last week, like the newest season. So I have no doubt that y'all will love this episode. My dad listened. He loved it. Gets a bunch of shout outs. Um, but before I jump in, I do think that there's like a few things that have been really eating my energy um, in addition just to like not drinking. And I've been implementing like, I have actually been doing the lemon water. It's, you know, growing on me, I guess. I've been trying to meditate every morning. Um, and then these magic mind drinks, like I swear, have been a game changer. Like before I found these little like mini green shots, I was honestly like trying to save money by drinking Celsius's in the morning. And although they, I love Celsius, they give me a huge boost of energy they do give you that like jittery feeling which I don't love um whereas pairing like a magic mind uh little shot with my cup of coffee or just like having it in that seltzer and making it almost like a little drink has been so great it has these like things called uh nootropics inside that improve attention concentration and cognition and it really just tastes like a green juice or like a green juice flavored seltzer when you pour with seltzer so I really, really love them. Um, and I have a great code for you all. If you use the code SOLACE20, you can get 20% off your first time order of Magic Mind. Um, all you need to do is go to magicmind.co and again, use that code SOLACE20. And again, I recommend doing the subscription because if you use my code combined with the code they have online, it's about 56% off your order. Um, so that's my little spiel and without further ado here's carl and yay happy 50 days to me hello everyone and welcome to another episode of solace and the city Today, I am so excited and like kind of freaking out to be here with Carl Radke. You may know him from Summer House, which premieres on February 13th, which is 
while that's right around the corner um and yeah he's been on the show since its inception and i'm just freaking out that he agreed to come on this podcast <laughs> well thank you for having me zoe zoe sorry it's okay it's a common mistake i'll pretend it's a nickname um <laughs> yeah no i appreciate appreciate the opportunity it's been uh i think you, you tried to have me on maybe about a year and a half ago so i'm glad we could finally work it out yep it was kind of wild that i got that that email forwarded from my like old Talkspace account because I don't work there anymore. Oh, uh, so okay. Shout out to my manager for <laughs> somehow getting that email to me. Yep, pay it forward. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'd love if you could start off by telling me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? How old are you? What do you do for work? What's your story? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, you know, I'm very proud of Pittsburgh. It's a blue collar, hardworking city, a lot of, a lot of character, a lot of great sports. Um, so proud to be from Pittsburgh. I was fortunate to go to Syracuse University uh, for undergrad, where I studied television, radio, and film. Um, the, Syracuse is really known for the Newhouse School, uh, which is really well known in the you know entertainment industry and, and media industry. So an amazing experience there. I mean, it's a big school, a lot of big sports and fraternities and partying and um, had a lot of fun in college, obviously, but definitely, you know, worked hard to get good grades and, and make sure I maximized my my education. Um, but then, yeah, I've I graduated kind of with hopes and dreams of working in the entertainment industry, TV or film. Uh, so I naturally moved to L.A. after college and kind of began my career working uh, in TV. I was actually behind the scenes, you know, as a production assistant and assistant to a producer uh, for a TV show called Criminal Minds, which is on CBS. Oh, yeah. uh, I worked I worked on that show from season one, sorry, season two through three. Um, yeah. So, I mean, my my journey professionally really was in the Hollywood industry for a few years and, you know, working hard on a TV show, you know, behind the scenes is a lot of work um, and, you know, not making a ton of money, working my ass off in my early 20s. And had a friend of mine who was working uh, for a medical device device company. He was doing sales, was making you know a lot of money, driving a company car, playing golf, going out to dinners, doing cool things. And I was like, "What do you do?" And he got me, ended up getting me an interview. So I completely left the Hollywood industry and went in went into sales. And that actually was really critical for me, just from a growth standpoint. You know, getting confidence, like walking into a room and presenting to people, or picking up the phone and calling someone and pitching them. And um, so it really helped me kind of, I think, just grow, you know, my skill set. Um, but it, it was always just kind of a way to make money and have fun. And it, it, it never like deep down wasn't like my passion and dream to be like the ultimate sales guy. Um, but it did give me a lot of opportunities, but it, it did lead me back to New York City. Um, so I moved to New York City in 2013 and was working in sales, you know, for a company and working hard, partying hard, uh, you know, going out to the Hamptons, having a good time, um, you know, pretty similar to what a lot of people do in their 20s and 30s here in New York is they rent a house in the Hamptons with their, you know, 15 or 20 friends and, you know, the fruits of their hard work, they, you know, spend it all on the weekend and have a crazy time. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I've been on a journey the last couple of years of, you know, with Summer House, which has been going on now for seven seasons, which is just crazy. Wow. Um, you know, I'm one of the original cast members and yeah, it's, it's, I don't think I ever could imagine it's would have done what it has, which is this long. And, you know, the amount of different things we've, you know, we've had a ton of fun. We've been through ups and downs professionally, personally, um, built some amazing friendships, um, you know, it's, I've lost my brother on reality TV. I've gotten sober. I've, you know, really been through a, a ton. And I also got engaged uh, this past year to Lindsay, who is one of my best friends, but also an original cast member uh, on Summer House. So yeah, it's just been, I feel very lucky. I've been on a kind of a crazy ride, but, um, you know, reality TV has certainly been a, a gift and a curse in some ways, but, yeah, you know, very, feel very lucky to to kind of be able to tell kind of my story and perspective on it, but that's kind of how I got here. I don't know if that does a good job of painting a picture. Yeah. That's a wild roller coaster. I didn't even know you spent time in LA. That's 
That's yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm 38 years old, so I, I have maybe a younger look sometimes, but I've definitely been through some shit and been through <laughs> uh, a lot of transition and professional life and living in LA and kind of navigating that world. And uh, I really liked my time in LA, but I still kind of, I gravitate more towards the New York city energy and mm-hmm. uh, I'm from the East coast. So I, you know, I kind of like the East coast vibe a little better, even though I, I do love LA and have a lot of friends still out there, but um, yeah, my my dad wanted me to give a quick shout out to Pittsburgh because I think I, I told you he he's from Edgewood um, yeah. and he loves Pittsburgh more than like, honestly, probably more than me. Like he loves it <laughs> so much. Yeah, Pittsburgh there's a lot of sports, a lot like, of passion, a lot of passion in Pittsburgh for the sports. And it's funny, I, I've, you know, Lindsay's now kind of uh, taken on, you know, Pittsburgh fandom with some of the teams and, you know, she's like Pittsburgh loves their sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they do i mean when you have you know pittsburgh's got there's there's stuff going on but you know when it's a little more low-key like people really only have things like football or hockey or baseball yeah. to focus on um but there's yeah pittsburgh's got a, it's a great town they've they've really embraced me yeah i get a lot of love from pittsburgh folks on social media you know for summer house and you know when we launched lover boy in pittsburgh i was there for some events and people really came out and supported me so it feels good to get some love from your hometown for sure so your journey to sobriety is unlike that of any other guests that i've had on on the show in the sense that you really had the world watching and you know following along with your recovery journey um, so I was hoping you could go back kind of to the beginning. Um, when did you first begin to reevaluate your relationship with alcohol? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I think it it was something that's always been kind of in the back of my mind, even in my, you know, teenage years. You know, I, I have a family that, you know, every family I think has challenges with family members with addiction or mental health challenges. You know, and I my brother, you know, growing up was you know, had addiction challenges and, you know, so it was always kind of on the front row to his challenges, but never really looking at myself, um, always thinking that I was okay. And he, he was the one who struggled. Um, but I do have other family members that struggled with alcoholism and it was something that I've, I never have a problem. I'm fine. And, you know, but after years and and then, you know, you watch yourself on reality TV for several seasons and truthfully, not a lot of people have footage of their weekends, especially in the summer, which is typically when you party the hardest. Um, you know, and I have, I guess the fortunate gift of being able to watch the show back and reflect and learn and, you know, seeing the behavior that I'm not proud of and, and learning kind of how I'm interacting and how I'm handling things. And, you know, it was, it was very, it was overwhelming at first because I was very disappointed with my behavior and ashamed of how I handled things. But then you know, would apologize and then just go right back to the same stuff over and over. So it's just this constant cycle I was on. And, you know, it's after I think season four, you know, I had a pretty up and down summer and just was like all over the place. I had a friend of mine who had, you know, she was pretty privy to my partying and drinking. And she was like, I think you would really benefit from going to like a Tony Robbins seminar. And I'd always wanted to go to something like that. I'd heard from some people that, you know, very motivational, very reflective. Um, so he has like a seven day seminar that he does called date with destiny. And it's like mm-hmm. 8,000 people. It's a huge thing. You're there at 8am till 10pm every day for like seven days doing all these different seminars and talks. And that was one of the first times that I really was like, okay, like this, like I, I needed something because something just wasn't right. Um, and, you know, got back from that. I, I was, didn't drink that entire Tony Robbins thing. This is the first time I ever was sober for like seven days in a row, like that I can remember and got back to New York and just continued right back in my old ways, mm-hmm. you know, and then the pandemic happened. Um, you know, I think all of us was, uh, you know, everybody was just like at a, at a weird point in their, their life, you know, isolation and either you were drinking all the time or you weren't, you know, and there was just not a lot to do and uncertainty. And that's when I was like, I really need to like, get sober because also I knew what was about to be on TV during that season from what I had filmed last summer. And in seasons past, I would typically drink and watch the show back. And that doesn't certainly help when you're like watching yourself and, you know, just not in the right frame of mind. So I had really committed to not drink and go to therapy, be really honest about it. I was, you know, seeking a lot of help from friends or other family. 
um, to, you know, during the beginning of the pandemic, I didn't drink for a few months and was feeling really good about it. But, you know, it was still a challenge kind of reliving the previous summer where I wasn't <laughs> in a great place. Um, and then fast forward, you know, we were started filming season five of Summer House, which is kind of famous for, you know, it was when we stayed in the house together for about six weeks straight and didn't really leave. Um, and, you know, it was kind of early on. I was like, all right, I'm going to moderate. I'll just drink, just drink Loverboy or I'm going to have only wine or I'm only going to have this. And anybody who knows when they struggle or has addiction, like it never works. Mm-hmm. It doesn't like even if you moderation talk- is a myth. <laughs> It's hard. I mean, maybe some people can, but you know, just isolating, okay, I'm only going to drink this one or I'm not going to drink vodka. Like I only black, like it didn't work for me. Um, but what really happened, you know, my brother unfortunately passed away, uh, that summer and I got the phone call while we were filming and it was obviously one of the most difficult things I've ever faced in my life. Um, my brother, you know, him and I, he was five years older than me. We were you know, close when we were younger, but as his addictions took over, we were kind of drifted further apart. And then my, you know, life and career taking me to New York and TV and, it, you know, we didn't really talk to each other that much, but there was a lot of love there. So it was, it was really hard, you know, it was a shock to my system. Um, you know, anytime you grow up with an ad- addicted sibling, you, you kind of sometimes in the back of your head are waiting for that phone call. Um, but it's still a phone call I never thought I was going to get. And yeah, it, it, it rocked my world, but it, Certainly like the next day, you know, it's not like I didn't stop drinking. I just was like, all right, I'm going to, I don't give a shit. I kind of stopped caring. Mm -hmm. And there was a period of time from his passing in August till, you know, December where I was just on a dark kind of spiral, you know, summer house had finished filming. I was back in New York city, back in my old apartment surroundings were the same, you know, just kind of back into my old kind of uh, negative ways. And you know, when you're isolating a lot and you're drinking by yourself and you're trying to grieve the loss of your sibling and you're trying to, you know, handle what's going on, it it was, I really hit rock bottom in early of, uh, January of 2021. And it was a pivotal moment. I mean, it was a dark moment for me, but something I'll never forget because I, you know, really had a lot of friends and family kind of say, hey, like, we're really, really worried about you. And that, you know, was a scary thought to really scare my friends and family. So, you know, I may, I, I had known that I had a problem and I needed to address it, but this time it was for real. Like I really needed to make the commitment and, and seek out the right help. Um, so yeah, I had had a friend actually from California that I used to party really hard with who had called me about it. It was, might've been while we were filming season five and he was like, are you going to AA yet? I was like, no. And he's like, you're not going to be sober. And he would challenge me and kind of push me. And he recommended I talk to a, a sponsor who he put me in touch with. So I met this sponsor and he was a, a real guiding force early on in my sobriety in 2021. Um, and it, yeah, it was something that I just really committed myself to and really wanted to kind of honor my brother too. You know, I think it really was hard for me to kind of, I was getting a lot of um, support and acknowledgement for how I handled my brother's passing, but it didn't feel right that I was getting a lot of credit. And then on the other side, I'm still drinking and going, you know, doing negative things and, just really challenge my own self of like, what kind of man do I want to be? What kind of person do I want to be? And that's when I was like, I, yeah, I need to commit to this. And, you know, doing a lot of research, and a lot of inward looking, you know, January 8th, 2021 is my sobriety date. So that's, I just celebrated two years uh, recently, which has been a gift. It's been one of the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. And, you know, it has its challenges, no doubt, but uh, I have, I think reality TV to thank for actually getting sober. Cause it was, I don't know if I would have ever really seen, you know, your behavior and the impact on your friends and some of the decision-making you make and the fallout of all that, you know, it, it's hard to relive stuff, but especially when you feel really bad about it and you're, it's mm-hmm. not really who you think your true character is. Wow. There's just like so much, I mean, to that story first, I mean, just it goes out saying like, I'm just so sorry about your loss. Like I can't imagine losing a sibling I I've lost a friend to suicide and that was just the worst time of my life um and so I really just can't imagine just that call but I think you really are honoring Curtis in everything you do and in showing up for yourself and just you know and having a voice of reason now and and being that kind of like like a person 
with their head on their shoulders, especially, you know, while you have this following and then you can just spread awareness. So I think everything you're doing, you know, with your platform and um, now your newfound sobriety is really, really incredible. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. No, I appreciate it. I mean, I think, you know, obviously it was, it's been difficult to kind of have to face it so publicly, but it's also been kind of the best thing for me because mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't hide and I have all these people holding me accountable and I have, yep. you know, I, I want to show my honor, my brother in the best way I can honor my family and, and really just look myself in the mirror and decide, you know, what do I need to do to take back control of my life and what do I really stand for? And it was a scary thing, but honestly, it's opened up so much more for me and it's allowed me to have a lot more balance in my life. And I give a gift to my mom, my mom and my parents, cause they don't worry about me as much. And now, especially my, my relationship with Lindsay, I mean, I was able to see clearly and think clearly and be in a much better place to, you know, be able to pursue that in the right way. And I got engaged this past summer and like all these different amazing things have continued to flourish as a result of me just really taking control of my life and admitting that I had a problem and, and getting the right help and doing the right things each day. I mean, I, listen, I'm not perfect. I, I'd like to think that I meditate every day. I try, I'm getting better, but you know, it's uh, it's a constant daily effort that you have to do. And, um, but being able to help myself has helped other people. And I never really mm-hmm. thought that that would ever, I just, it doesn't, it didn't compute at the time, but that's really what it's all about. You know, the amount of people that I have messaged me or reach out and say they've gotten sober or they've been inspired or they've been motivated or they've helped someone that they're in, you know, their loved ones who's struggling. I mean, that's just amazing that I've potentially helped one person, let alone, you know, a couple thousand or however many it, it really is. So I feel very, very lucky to be able to like, you know, tell that story and continue to flourish. And here we are, you know, season seven of summer house is coming out and it'll be like the second real full summer that I, I don't drink. And obviously a, a big part of everything and still had a good time and still can be social and still, you know, can be myself. And that is actually a great feeling like being comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting that you said like, because, you know, you, you have this platform, you're on this TV show, like there is a whole extra level of accountability that people are holding you to. And like, I mean, Granted, my podcast is a lot smaller of a platform, but it still is a way of holding me accountable like each week coming on and, you know, if it like, sure, I guess I could hide a drink like if I just so desired, but I want to show up for my listeners and I want to show up for myself. So it's had to imagine like both a blessing and a curse because on one hand, you know, you have this community holding you accountable, but that's also a lot of pressure. Yeah. No, I mean that I think early on it was even when I was trying to like the moderation thing and even with the the friends, like everybody in the summer house and I mean, they're my friends, you know, some stronger than stronger than the others, but you know, it was like, are they watching me? Are they noticing how much I've had? Are they counting? And you know, that's, it is a lot of pressure, but you know, I, I just, I looked at it like this is just such a unique opportunity to grow and change. And truthfully, if I continued on that path of drinking and partying, I wouldn't be on Summer House anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's what like people ask me, they're like, you know, how hard is it filming a reality show not drinking? I'm like, well, I wouldn't be able to do it if I was. And that's yeah. kind of how I framed my my mindset on it because it's just, yeah, like I was such a, you know, in a dark spiraling place that it just not, no one wants to watch that on reality TV. I think people want to see people overcome things and make progress. So I, again, I feel incredibly lucky to be able to kind of tell, you know, bits and pieces of it and be in a group of friends and with Lindsay, who's incredibly supportive of that journey. And, you know, it's scary, but I think when you, when you kind of come to the realization, you know, you may lose some friends, some people may come and go, but they maybe weren't the best for you anyway. And exactly those relationships that maybe you've neglected or lost sight of actually become a lot closer. So it's, it's opened a lot more doors than it's closed. Yeah, no, that's so true. And you, you talked about this a little bit earlier, but I am really curious because, you know, as you mentioned, like it's a TV show, you got to watch it back. And so those summers where you were, you know, before you were completely sober and you were moderating, like, what was it like to, 
watch the show back and like see the fights and because on one hand you know as you mentioned it would be it's easier just like to not watch the show or to be like drunk the whole time or to say oh that's like editing but do you feel like uh, yeah I guess if you could just talk a little bit more about that because it's it's so interesting thinking about you saying that but then also realizing that you weren't the only one getting really drunk on that show. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, everybody has their own, you know, way of understanding what their relationship is with alcohol. And, you know, I, the moderation tactic was something that I just, you know, I'd, I'd been to therapy and talked about and some other people were trialing that. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, season five, I mean, I, we got into a massive fight, me, Luke and Kyle, uh, you know, almost got, physical is, you know, kind of a pushing and shoving situation, but it's a pretty, you know, I'm not, I'm not proud of that moment at all. I know it brought us a lot closer together, but watching that back, I mean, you know, my veins are popping out of my neck and I'm at one point they show me in the, you know, my bathroom crying, talking to my dad. Cause I was just so overcome by all of my emotions and everything. Cause my brother had already passed away by then. And it was kind of on this more, you know, moderating, but still drinking, like, you know, um, so, you know, everybody's got their way of going about it. I try not to to pass too much judgment. It's hard. You know, I definitely, you know, you can look around the house and go, okay, maybe they should watch their stuff, but it's hard. Cause you know, I'm trying to take care of myself and be supportive of everybody else. But, you know, I definitely have had times where I'm like, maybe they should moderate, maybe they should. And that's yeah. not necessarily fair either. And that puts pressure on them. Um, but it, it's a, like I said, it's a constant work in progress. Like I, I'm, I don't, I'm not like high and mighty. I'm not perfect. I, I'm still very flawed. I still have emotion and anger. I, I'm working on that. You know, I still have uncomfortable things that I feel when I'm in environments that are, you know, overwhelming, like big, a lot of drinking and arguing, like that's hard to be around when you're sober. And it's, I've, I'm still kind of learning how to navigate that and, and process those things. Um, but again, I, I think the gift that we have of being on a reality show and especially Summer House is it's it's a very raw, relatable show. And, you know, for us, like we've all been, you know, we've been doing this. I, I was 30 years old when we started season one. Wow. And I've like, those are formative years of your growth, especially for me. Like, you know, I, I was a little bit more of a late bloomer and I'm kind of coming into my own, but doing it while on TV. Um, so I think I'll, you know, in 20 years, I'm going to look back and and hopefully just be like so thankful for this whole thing. And I am now, but here we are coming on a new season. There's going to be another tough reliving of things and difficult conversations. Um, so it is a gift and a curse in a way, but you know, I, like I said, I'm the biggest thing that's been so powerful is taking care of myself and that, and then somehow that helps other people. Like I just never believed or thought that that could happen. Yeah. It's interesting. You said, you know, like, on one hand, you and I imagine like watching it sober, especially you're like, maybe that person should, you know, take a little bit of a break. But it is watching like walking that like tightrope of like not wanting to like wanting to use your um, like better judgment to help people, but not wanting to push your you know beliefs onto others. Like totally. I think about like um, like Vanderpump Rules, for example, like when I think it was Lala who got sober and then she kind of like helped like James when he was going through his own thing and like was kind of pushing it and it's um but it's but it's interesting because it's you don't want to overstep but at the same time like in the back of your mind you might know what is best for someone even though they won't recognize that until they make that own decision themselves yeah I mean you always at hope I think I mean you always hope someone can come to their own realization and have that self-awareness and really look in the mirror and realize um you know, I, I, it took me a while for that to happen to me. Um, but I, I have, I mean, I have had, I mean, I've talked to Lala. She's been supportive, you know, just over DM. She wished me a happy two year sobriety. And it's funny. I was on watch what happens live early on in summer house with Lala. And we both were drinking on the show with Angie. <laughs> um, and we're pretty drunk on that, that program. Um, so we both, you know, kind of in a weird way found our sobriety, but, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, like within the show, like, you know, I certainly don't want to be like, looked at as like the lame guy or the boring guy or you know alcohol could be a crutch on the show sometimes where you know if it's if you're hung over sometimes drinking drinking again the next morning actually helps and it just spirals into the day and sometimes if you're there's a big fight going on it's easier to just go and grab a beverage and 
deal with the stress of it that way. Sometimes the cameras just can be a lot and you don't have the energy sometimes. So sometimes drinking maybe would help make you feel like you're bringing more energy to the table. So it's an interesting environment that I, I don't think anybody can really understand until you're really in it. Um, but I, I did, you know, find a lot of, I guess, peace knowing that there's other Bravo people who have, you know, really taken their drinking and took, taken it seriously. I mean, we've all seen some of those crazy dinner fights. You've all seen the Vanderpump blowups. You've seen the housewives and it all kind of draws back to one thing, which is alcohol. Mm-hmm. And obviously we're making a TV show. I get you on some dramatic elements, but you know, I've, I've appreciated, you know, trying to navigate things without alcohol, but obviously when everybody else is still doing it, you know, you're on a different playing field. Everybody's up here and you're here, but you know, it's, I, I hope the audience can, you know, cause there's plenty of relationships where one person still drinks and the other one doesn't. That's a very relatable dynamic and how you communicate through that and how you support each other through that. I think you'll, you'll see a little bit of that with me and Lindsay this year, which, you know, she was again, so amazing. Like being in a relationship with someone who has the challenges I have is very hard and she's yeah. taking it head on and, you know, I feel very lucky to have someone like her. So going into the, the summer, like having her there and obviously we're in, in love and honeymoon phase a little bit, but like, you know, if I'm uncomfortable to party or wanting to leave a little earlier or need a break, like she, you know, she's right there to support whatever I need. And that that's huge, especially, you know, sometimes it can feel like you're alone when you're the sober one. Mm-hmm. And especially that she was there for your entire journey like at least your summer house journey and you know saw you when you were drinking saw you you know with the moderation phase and then you get sober so it's not like she entered your life you know just expecting one thing like she no, knew no, everything she, that was happening <laughs> she she well that's I think the beauty of our relationship is we both knew so much about each other and what got us to that point and that's what really built that foundation of of a friendship and a bond um you know and yeah, the cameras only show the the June through September part of our lives. But, you know, her, she was always a constant in my life after filming. We were always friends and hanging out. And I'd go to her apartment and just watch TV or catch up. I could I could be myself around her without alcohol. So that's the key with, you know, my relationship with now is like, I feel, I just feel like I've never been able to be myself before. Mm-hmm. Alcohol was always that crutch. And now like, I've, I can just be me. And that's like, she embraces that and loves that. And like, that's, I can be comfortable in my own skin in my relationship, which is just massive. Yeah. And also just congrats on the engagement. I'm really excited to really excited to watch. Thank you. Well, you're going to, you're going to see, you're going to see the proposal on this season. I know. I'm so excited of, um, but before I, we like move on to that, I, I want to go back cause you, you kind of talked about it a little bit earlier and this is like a big question I'm, trying to understand and wrap my mind around and honestly I'm, I'm sure you kind of are too so you know we talked a little bit about like bravo liberties these vanderpump rules housewives etc i think one really interesting thing about bravo like unlike the bachelor or something where drama happens because you know girls are competing for the one guy or guys are competing for one girl like there's natural there is alcohol but it's not necessary I'd say a lot of the shows on Bravo you know kind of wouldn't be as dramatic I mean they don't think they would be as dramatic if alcohol was removed so do you think that reality TV could exist without alcohol as an instigator for the drama (laughs) um I think it could I think, I mean, I definitely think it could, but it's probably not, I mean, unless you have like a sober house, you know, to, like a totally sober house. I mean, I think more and more, I mean, maybe in 10 years, you'll see more of like a, a show that doesn't revolve all the way around partying or drinking heavily. You know, people still have emotion and opinions about relationships and people still have feelings and want to say things. And I think you know, unfortunately, alcohol does give you that kind of liquid courage to talk and speak outwardly. So you might, some people that are on reality TV probably wouldn't be on it if they didn't, if they weren't like, they don't have, they're not dynamic enough or don't have that kind of personality unless they have the booze. Yeah. So I think there could be a reality world where you just find really dynamic, interesting, sober people that have good energy and bring it. And you probably wouldn't even notice they would still get into fights because they just do. And they still have their opinions and 
do interesting things and are weird and silly. Um, but yeah, alcohol is always like the, the, the 12th castmate and most of these programs and, you know, Bravo people like to have a good time. And the, the whole hope and goal, I think of, especially on Bravo is it's, it's escape. It's relate a little bit, escape a little bit, you know, especially summer house. We film in the summer. People have either been in a, a, a lake house or a summer house in their, their past or currently are in one. Our group is younger. So it's a little, again, more relatable with a career perspective or navigating relationships. Um, I'd like to think, you know, that there's a show that could exist without alcohol, but I don't know. I mean, the audience, most people that watch Bravo drink while they watch Bravo too. So like it's, it's, it's across the, the entire yeah. spectrum. And even like, yeah, I mean, on like Watch It Happens Live and, and the reunions and things like, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's drink, drinking is, is a part of the Bravo world. I mean, if you look at some of the most successful brands that have been born out of Bravo, Skinny Girl and Lover. Lover. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. And, and all the other rosés and Vanderpump alcohol, the, mm -hmm. the Toms and their whiskey and you name it. I mean, it, it just it makes so much sense because literally people watch these shows, they drink and then they escape their own personal lives and then, you know, kind of judge or relate to yours. Yeah. A quick like side fact. I forget what it was one book I was reading, but it, basically someone someone's journey to sobriety and like one of the addictions she gave up was bravo and i was like that's never happening for me sorry <laughs> i'll i'll keep that addiction but yeah um, bravo bravo i mean summer house is almost like the gateway drug to bravo i think because you, you, you get you know you'll get men you know or guys that are in relationships who are like i can't handle the housewives but i can get down with watching you know 20 something 30 somethings party in the hamptons and then that, then next thing you know they're like watching housewives by themselves <laughs> Um, but I'll, I'll meet people at like lover boy events or different, you know, meet and greets. And people are always saying like summer house got me into the Bravo world. Yep. I'm one of those people. I actually remember I was at like shape house. It was like, I don't know. You look lie in this like weird thing and they like heat you up like a rotisserie yeah, it's like chicken. A, it's like a blanket, right? Yeah. And it was horrible. But, um, and one of the shows they had was summer house. I was like, Oh, I'll watch this. And the rest is history. Then I started watching like Southern Charm, and then I started watching Vanderpump, and then I started watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And yeah, you can't. And then you can't escape it. Next thing you know, you're you're starting a podcast about it. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Um, but it is, you know, like going back to the alcohol component, especially I think with the Housewives, I'd say the most like, you know, as you said, there are certain personalities like that can thrive sober you know with alcohol in whatever way shape or form just because they're so dynamic um maybe a little hot-headed etc um but it is an interesting balance and so I guess my follow-up question is like what role do producers and castmates of these types of shows have in ensuring that their you know consumption of an alcohol and, and binge drinking lifestyle isn't like perpetuating the culture around drinking in like the real world. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, some of that stuff, I guess I'm not as privy to, um, you know, they kind of, the whole thing is just, they want us really telling your, your story and your individual, you know, what's going on in your lives. And, you know, I think they are careful depending on the situations. I mean, I, I think with our show, yeah, it's, it's on the weekends. We do host parties. Um, but I think they are, they, they try to be careful. I think with it's, trying not to focus solely on that aspect and allowing, you know, even me being a part of the show, the last two seasons, not drinking, I think is another really positive sign of them embracing some different lifestyles and dynamics in life. But, you know, people have food addiction, people have variety of addictions out there. And I, you know, I think Bravo does need to be mindful about how they kind of support those who are struggling or not. But I mean, again, the amount of people that have, that do watch Bravo that have, are going through these kinds of life challenges. I mean, I, I'm not going to say it's like 50%, but like it, there's a lot of people that struggle with addiction, mental health, grief, other challenges in their life, but they watch these shows to, to hopefully find, I think some peace or deeper meaning, um, you know, because there is a lot of that isolation and alone feeling when you have, addiction or challenges. And I think if Bravo can bridge that gap and help, you know, Cindy or Joe in middle of nowhere, USA, who watches Bravo, like that's huge. Uh, but it's a fine line between like becoming an intervention show 
or all about that. And I, you know, I'm, I, I love that I've been able to touch on my sobriety, but I also sometimes don't want to be just like labeled so heavily, you know, I'm Carl, I've got, I'm fun. I'm happy. I like to joke around. I like to be active. Like I want it also to be more, um, you know, like I'm, I'm more, there's more layers to, to me than just that I'm sober, you know? And I think yeah. hopefully this season, it won't just always be about that. Like, you'll, I mean, you'll see me cheersing stuff, but because I have non-alcoholic tequila now, I have non-alcoholic mm-hmm. beer. I have, there's wine that's non-alcoholic. We made mocktails. Like I, at one point, uh, beer bonged a non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> as ridiculous as that sounds, you know, I, it's almost just, trying to fit in with everybody else. So it's almost like you don't even notice, uh, except for I'm just pretty balanced. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, that's something I've been, you know, trying out and is because there are non-alcoholic alternatives. And I do feel very fortunate that I became sober, like kind of, I think like at the peak of this sober curious movement, um, like I can't imagine what people did like 10 years ago. Cause you know, just only ordering a diet. Yeah. There, it's It was probably in also like very shameful. It's like, Oh, like, I wasn't, mm-hmm. like, and I listen, I'm guilty as charged. I remember meeting people four or five years ago and you'd hear something. And I'd be like, Oh, what a loser. I, I really yeah, regret, I regret <laughs> saying that and feeling that. But I think, as you said, there's a huge movement around sobriety and the curiousness of it. And just breaking down the stigma of it. You know, I think Gen Gen Z and younger generation really is mindful of what they're putting in their bodies and how they're behaving. You know, the era I grew up in, I mean, I'm like kind of a millennial, but we binge drink. That's what you do. Like Mm -hmm. Saturdays for a football game in college, you buy a 30 pack for yourself. Like it's crazy. And like, then you supplement with Adderall or other hard substances and it just becomes this slippery slope and alcohol also for me was like the gateway to doing a ton of other things that weren't healthy for me. Um, and yeah, like I think that as you know, and there's more celebrities that are being more open about their journeys. Uh, Katy Perry just started a non-alcoholic beverage brand. Um, and you're going to continue to get, I think big public faces who are getting behind this movement and it's only going to continue to like, I mean, in New York city, there's whole, there's a store called Boyson that sells only non-alcoholic beverages and like that to me like 10 years ago like that wouldn't have been unheard of um and there's yeah. a there's a bar in the east village in new york that just opened that's only selling mocktails and and non-alcoholic products yeah there's a bar in austin which is like where i currently live called sands bar um and it's only non-alcoholic beverages and when i move back to the city i'm i'm gonna be sure to check out all these like stores and it gives me like a whole new thing to do because I've already exhausted everything else. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're, it brought me, it just made me think of an idea that I had. Cause I, at one point early on in summer house, I wanted to do basically throw a party, but buy a keg of O'Doul's or non-alcoholic beer and not, and, and not see tell how any, people. Yeah. You know, I think that would be a fun psychology experiment to see how people behave. Um, you know, that would be a really funny idea uh, for like, an episode yeah because you go you go like yeah, I, I, I think there's still a chance to i'm obviously lover boy has been a big part of our drinking so it was hard to like squeeze a keg in because we don't really drink keg beer but it, it it something that actually happened to me i was i was an extra in a movie when i graduated college and it was a movie about a high school football team and there was a high school party and at in the scene that i was a part of i was on the football team and i had a letterman's jacket on and we we're drinking out of a keg and doing keg stands and there were other extras there and they were you know, younger and we were drinking out of red solo cups. And, you know, I, I clearly knew we're, it's a film, like it's not alcoholic, but these girls didn't know they were drinking solo cup and they were like acting giddy and like weird. And like, and I was like, should someone tell them? <laughs> like, Wait, that's so funny. I thought it was just going to be like water. But there's something with the psychology. There's something, like, even when I have an NA beer, a couple of them, like I get a little more energetic and feel a little like, something because I'm like yeah I'm like participating in it and feeling like you know that there's a taste to it that kind of gives you a a little something but yeah I had like my like uh na like rosé yesterday while I was watching bravo and um it is like the placebo effect of just kind of sitting back and being like this feels like familiar (laughs) yeah yeah like it obviously doesn't taste quite exactly the same but yeah, the, there's there's enough of it there that it feels like you're you're having a moment and an indulgence or something you're treating yourself. Um, 
so I definitely, yeah, I can relate to the needing like a, a rosé that's NA. I, we have some actually, I have some Jukes, J-U-K-E-S. It's a British company and they sell these little like airplanes of rosé or like red wine, but they're NA. Interesting. Well, do you think there will be like a NA lover boy like line? Yes, there will be. Um, you know, Kyle has talked about that a lot. I obviously, you know, would be interested in something like that, but it's hard. Al- the alcohol industry has already got its own challenges and building what we've built with the brand is, has been a lot. So the NA side is a totally kind of different, it's different, but it's not, um, but we're, you know, it's still a smaller company and you know, you got the big, the big Budweiser's and oh yeah, these huge wine companies who have a lot more resources to just start throwing things at the wall. But I'd like to see, you know, more, um, like when we go to concerts or festivals or sporting events, there's still like a lack of like taller, you know, you go to a baseball game and they have the 20 ounce beer. Like they don't have a 20 ounce NA. They don't have a 20 ounce sparkling. Mm-hmm. Now liquid death and some of these other things are actually doing a great job of, and apparently liquid death's founder was, is sober. And he was like, I just wanted something in a cool can that was big, that looked like a beer. So I could be in the mix and no one would ever say or know what the hell I'm drinking. Yep. So yeah, I'm hoping for more for more op- options still, especially in the like, you know, experiences, events and music and uh sp- like sporting events. Cause I still love going to those things and I enjoy them much more, but I'm still missing, you know, the beverage side. Yeah. Solace in the City is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you know me, uh, you know that I have seen plenty of therapists in my day and I will tell you as much as I you know love meeting with each therapist it was not an easy road to find them and uh, if you're you know in the process of searching for a therapist I'm sure you know that it's quite expensive Um, I actually been recently looking for a therapist who is licensed in both Texas and New York and the average cost of ones that I come across are around $275 out of pocket for just one session, which is wild. So um, in the past, I have been using BetterHelp and I am obsessed with my therapist. She is amazing and has helped me through so many tough times. And I am paying a fraction of the cost of what I was paying when I was meeting with someone directly. Um, you can choose from thousands of therapists from their network. And one of the parts that I like the best, and I guess this is maybe, you know, me being a people pleaser, but breaking up with therapists or meeting with someone and not getting along right way is kind of, kind of not fun. And then it's like, it makes you not really want to continue, you know, the search, but with better help, you can easily switch therapists, um, and find someone who you click with and then you can meet with them at your own convenience. So I found it extremely helpful. Um, and if you choose to, you know, check this out or give it a try, you can use my code to get 10% off your first month of therapy, which is big because it's already pretty cheap. Um, so if you just go to betterhelp.com slash Zoe, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash zoe z-o-e you'll get 10 percent off your first month give it a shot and if you uh, find your therapist soulmate let me know so my next question is like and i i you're actually only because like i've basically just interviewed people um to discuss sobriety th- this season um and only two of them have been guys including you and one thing I talked about with this uh, sober coach was kind of just, I think men are already pretty bad, no offense, at like talking about your emotions. And, oh, we're, ter- we're terrible. Yeah. Like <laughs> just end with each other. You know, it's it's because of obviously the culture in which we're raised where it's like be a man, like, you know, like watch. Yeah, be, be tough, be stoic. Don't, you know, don't, you know, don't bitch and moan. You just, you, you. You get through it, you, you bury it deep below, don't show weakness, all that. Exactly. And then, you know, I'd say like the one time that it's maybe like, quote unquote, socially acceptable to like open up is, you know, you're watching a football game, had like a couple of beers with your guys, and then you're like, oh, like I just got dumped. Like, 
feeling kind of shitty, but you know, it's almost like beer or, you know, there's like, I had like the Friday beer guys on uh, my podcast and like, I love them, but you know, they, the community they were like, they build is amazing, but it is around drinking and debauchery and like getting too drunk and setting silly texts because they blacked out. So it's kind of this hard balance of like, can we remove alcohol from that equation and still have like genuine connection between male friendships and like that authentic conversation? So, you know, my question for you is let's say you're a guy and you're, you know, struggling with your relationship with alcohol. Like how would you go about to like, how would you go to a friend and say like, Hey man, like I'm, thinking about becoming sober like what advice would you give to that person who's struggling to have that conversation with a guy friend um i mean i think it's obviously a lot of compassion and and empathy and just saying listen like there's a lot of people out there who struggle and for me personally like what helped was like putting face like a face to it so like i relate a lot to athletes i love sports Mm -hmm. and you know some of the best athletes in the world don't drink and like live very amazing lives like actors artists you know brad i listened to a thing about bradley cooper and his addiction and i'm like i didn't even know that and you know you can even kind of track his journey like with his films and like you can see some of the changes just in him just his energy wise um i know he's acting but you can see it and like that i was like okay like bradley cooper's a badass actor super successful good looking guy like being able to see like if that guy can do it, then I can also do it. So being able to like find the right people that you can be inspired by, um, you know, and also I think I've always recommended anybody who wants to like, who's curious about it, literally there's virtual AA meetings every day, all day that are easy and free to tap into. I think listening or literally putting it on your uh, Zoom, you can do virtual ones, just listening in it and you'd actually be surprised how many intelligent, smart, thoughtful, successful, interesting people are in those rooms that look great, aren't like haggard off the street. And I think that actually opened my eyes of like this community. And it's all about the community of finding other people that you can relate to and learn from their experiences. Because a lot of times I think guys, they're closed off. They Maybe I have a problem, maybe I don't, but they don't want to talk about it. But if they can find someone that they can relate to, like a guy, or male, they're like, oh, because I, I listen to certain podcast people, uh, Rich Roll, he's like a badass sober guy, but he's like, he runs 100 mile marathons, he does triathlons. And if you can like, look at guys like that, and that's the life you want, like, that you're gonna want to do what he does to try and achieve that. Um, but it's also okay to ask for help. And I think I would say that to anybody. It's you're not a pussy, pardon my language, you're not weak, you're not a bitch, you're not all these different words that get used by men towards men when it comes to being vulnerable or being open about your challenges. Um, and I want to continue to like, I mean, men are becoming, it's getting a little better, but you're right. Like there's still this macho-ness and, but the, the it's a gift that you can give to close people in your life. And what men yeah. like your mother, like my mom would have sleepless nights worrying about me. Like I, I me getting sober is a gift to, to her. And and men could view it as the same, like getting sober could be a gift to your, your spouse or your girlfriend or your employer. Um, and it could be a gift to your wallet. People forget how much alcohol Mm -hmm. things associated with drinking the amount of money I've saved in the last two years. I mean, I can now go do a lot more things with that. So it's, it's opened up a lot more doors. It's scary, but I think when you realize that you're not the only one who's suffering, you're like, oh, I can get down with that team. Like you actually join a group that actually makes more sense for you versus not. Yeah, because it's easy to make assumptions when you haven't actually like heard the stories, haven't actually met the people. Yeah, like I, before I even went into AA, like I had this vision of just like literally like guys like walking in off the street with brown paper bags and 40, 40 ounce bottles. Like I just was like, it's only for the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. I'm literally sitting in this room and like I went and got coffee with a guy after and he works at Goldman Sachs. He makes $15 million a year, but he was literally on the verge of like, like ruining and killing himself because he was addicted to cocaine and alcohol. And like, this guy's been sober four years now and he works at one of the biggest investment banks in the world. 
And mm-hmm. that was like, okay, like that's all I needed to hear. But then you hear another guy who's started his own company or he's a filmmaker, he's an actor. And sure, you still meet people that are deep in the dark depths, but they still come back and that inspires you. Mm-hmm. You actually hear someone who's got it 10,000 times worse than you ever thought you did. And that yeah. I would listen to stories and I'd be like, I thought I was fucked up. No, yeah. this guy has been through. And like, you're like, if he can still show up to this 8 a.m., I can. Yeah, no, I, I love that advice. And I do think it's it's important. And you make such a good point. It's like it's not a coincidence that some of the most successful people in the world are sober. And I mean, you know, think you're about giving it. a gift. You're, you have so much more time. Well, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> present and you're you're able to you're balanced. And it's mentally, too. I mean, alcohol is a depressant. And mm-hmm. it it has a way of getting in the way of, you know, you, what you really are out to do. And, and if you think about it, your most precious asset in life is your is time and the time you spend drinking or being hungover or like you lose, like that's the, like, what are you going to do with your time in your life? Spend it with people you care about, do it on in, you know, focus on things that are important to you, activities. Like that's what you should do with your time, not be sitting on the couch hungover ordering shitty greasy food because you feel like shit and i was you know you go through this roller coaster and you're depressed for two days after a big weekend and i not that i don't have that anymore but i'm just like more flat and like and don't have these big peaks and valleys and that that roller coaster trust me it's not fun to be on after a while it gets really old for sure so i always wrap up with the same couple of questions somewhat related to the podcast uh, what's one thing in your life that's happened to you, not sobriety, that's made you a strong, stronger person today? What's one thing that's happened to me that's made me a stronger person today? Um, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been fired from two different jobs. And one of them was early on for like the first season of Summer House. And I always would kind of blame it on, oh, like, you know, the, the boss sucked or I hated my manager or they screwed me over on commissions or, but it's actually, it was on me. Like I was actually not performing because I was hungover. I would call in sick. Sometimes I would not be present. I wouldn't be focused. Um, but I think you have to, to you learn a lot by getting fired. Um, Interesting. And I have, yeah. and I was fired two different times and it's, it's an, it's an ego, you know, it, it, it really, taxes your ego big time but i think it also is an opportunity to like really look deep within and say okay like what really happened here now some people sure the boss could suck sure the company could screw you over um but i think me getting fired actually was very important it it was something i was really upset about but it also was very critical to like going wait i had a role in this too and maybe you know it's actually a gift that i'm i was let go i should i need to go do something different yeah and even if like, for example, as you said, like the boss it did suck, it's an opportunity to reflect on like, okay, but what kind of boss do I want? Like what, like, then maybe that was for the best because this isn't the right team for me. So like, what should I go after and what am I looking for? Yeah. Like you can, you, you should be able to, like, I think that everything that happens to you is kind of the universe guiding you towards your next thing or making you face something that you weren't really, really ready to face. Um mm-hmm. And it, it, the universe always wins. Like you're, you're going to have to face stuff that sometimes at the time you don't think it's, you know, I think a, a moment for growth or opportunity, but you know, whether it's a loss of a job or a sibling or whatever, like those are all, I think, very important moments that as hard as they are in the moment, I think, I hope people can look back on them and be like thankful for them in a weird way. Like I'm so thankful I got fired in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? Um, I mean, I, I, I like one day at a time. Um, yeah, I get that one a lot now. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, there's a lot of like is isms and, uh, in a, like a, that I, I hear, but I still, I still like my no, no stress, more life, um, that I came up with, I think back in season two. <laughs> oh yeah. I kind of do remember that. Okay. We'll go with that one. See more unique. <laughs> yes. It's more, cu- more custom to me. Uh, what do you love most about yourself? Um, I don't, I mean, I, I like to think that I have a, a good ability to connect with people and just be a positive energy. You know, I think that's take some work, but catch me on a wrong day. Sure. I might be a little bit, uh, short, but 
I don't know. I feel like I've got a, just a nice ability to be genuine and, and kind and, and try to understand where people are coming from. Um, mm-hmm. That wasn't always the case. <laughs> I might've said I'm really funny or I'm super cool or I'm a good athlete, but yeah, I think more and more it's, it's about having empathy and understanding for other people and their situations and what they've been through. And that also develops, I think, for their connection, which you can learn a lot by listening and taking in what other people have to say. A lot of people don't actually listen. They just want, they're already concocting their answer before because they want to be heard and want to say, but listening and, and understanding, I think is, is something I'm pretty, pretty open to and good at. Yeah. I also, just from watching the show, I think you're a really good son. Like the way I, you love your mom is just really. I should have, I should have said that my mom would have appreciated that. <laughs> um, well, she'll hear, she'll hopefully hear it from a, a you know, a fan or an observer. No, she, she does. She, she gets spotted all the time in in Pittsburgh. People will come up to her when she's at like a diner or, or a coffee shop or whatever. And she's always blown away by, um, but people really have, have come around to love my mom. And I love that she's going to be able to be a part of summer house, which has been, it's been cool to show that other side of me, you know, cause obviously yeah. early on, you weren't able to see kind of that family side of my life, but my mom is, my mom's my rock. She's been awesome. Uh, so you're going to see more Sharon on uh, this coming season too. So. Oh, yay. Yeah. I, I mean, I mentioned my dad like before, but he is like my favorite person. He like, I really look up to him and he was raised by his mom in Pittsburgh. Um, and so like seeing, you know, your love for your mom just like makes me like think about like the love that like my mom, like my dad had for his mom and just, you know, all that all the more respect for your, for you both. Um, you have to tell your dad that I'm from upper St. Clair. Oh, he knows he Googled. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> I told him I was interviewing. Um, I was where like, where did he go to high school? Or... Do you know? Yeah. Edge it, that no longer exists. It was uh, called Edgewood, like Edgewood high, school. high school or something. Mm-hmm. And it was merged yeah. into. Ooh, Another. I, I played basketball or yeah, I played basketball in Edgewood. I, I want to say Swiss Vale. Mention. That might be the new high school. Yeah, mention Swiss Vale to him, and I'm pretty sure that's where I I played basketball against Swiss Vale, but it was it's in Edgewood, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably because I know it, it got merged into something else, as he's told me plenty of times, um, <laughs> and I keep forgetting. And so, anyways, my last question, which is the name of the podcast, is how do you find solace in the city? So that could be New York. Yeah, New York. How do I find solace in New York City? Um, I mean, I think therapy is really helpful. Um, You know, doing, taking time for yourself and finding things that really give yourself kind of like, you know, you gotta, the most important part is your relationship with yourself. And I don't think a lot of people, especially in New York, take enough time for them. You know, you're always people pleasing or going to an event because you have FOMO or working. Um, For me, it's been like really taking an hour a day and that could be, doing a meditation for 10 minutes on calm, joining an AA meeting, even if it's 30 minutes, just listening in, going for a walk, listening to one of your favorite podcasts or new Drake song or whatever it is like that. I always try to make sure I take an hour even more for yourself. You know, and I, I think that's really important. I don't think a lot of people really, I mean, people are selfish, but they don't, I don't know. They don't take like that kind of time. Like they're selfish in other ways. So I think it's, yeah, like I'm in a busy ass city of how many people live here? Nine million, ten million. You know, it can feel like there's a lot going on, and I think it's important just to stay grounded and breathing, and your feet are on the ground, and be grateful, because um, the city could eat you alive. Yeah, <laughs> but, definitely, and that's why you go to the Hamptons in the summer. <laughs> yes, to escape. <laughs> well, Carl, thank you so so much for coming on this podcast and just being so authentic and vulnerable like i can't tell you how much i appreciate it where can everyone follow you uh keep up with summer house keep up with your life yeah everything no thank you for having me on i appreciate the opportunity uh and congrats on all of your sobriety and you know the the work you put in um you can catch me on summer house which is going to be on monday february 13th at 9 p.m and then Lindsay and i are going to be on watch what happens live with andy cohen right after the premiere at 10 um that will be playing season seven is going to be airing every Monday until May or June. So you can catch us on Mondays 
And then on social, it's in, I'm an Instagram and Twitter guy at, at Carl Radke. C, Carl with a C, uh, C-A-R-L-R-A-D-K-E. And then if anybody does want to reach out and any of your listeners, um, I do occasionally, if I can, I, I do respond and offer some things that have worked for me and some guidance on resources. Um, people can email me through Instagram. There's like an email me button, which I do read, which is how you got a hold of me. Um, and I'm trying, I've made a commitment this year for 2023 to really part of insert acts of service in sobriety and giving back to, to newbies or people who are questioning, um, curious, you know, I really want to make a note in an effort this year to, to give back and respond and try to be supportive. Um, I'd like to think I can respond to everybody, but I'm not like, it's crazy how many emails I get. Like I'm, I'm not like, I'm no, I'm like a nobody, but I get literally 400 emails like every month from random people. (laughs) Well, I'm really happy you saw mine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Of course. Thanks again. And bye everyone. 